get pucked. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get Pucked podcast. Here with you again today, Matt, Dave, and Vito. And you might notice we are uh, somewhere other than our own homes. Uh, we are, in fact, at Cafe Victoria's recording this episode today, located at 8600 L'Angelier in St. Leonard, Quebec. Um, gentlemen, hello. Good to see you in person. How's it going? You're, uh, you're a lot taller than I expected, Matt. I've been told this many times by many people. What can I say? You suck. My burden to bear, gentlemen. Yeah, scoot, scoot up. Scoot up a little bit. Make you feel better. There you go. I want to, gentlemen, jump right into it because obviously there's been some really crazy developments since the last time we all got together. Uh, the most uh, paramount one, of course, being the Habs got the first overall pick for the first time since 1980. Um, I will not be modest and say that this is the first time in our collective lifetimes that this has happened. So it's kind of big news. Um, with that being said, the now question steers towards who's it going to be? Overall consensus seems to think that it looks like it's going to be Shane Wright. Um, I think most people would be in agreement that would be an absolute monster player to join the organization. But I'm more interested in, do you guys think it is going to be Shane Wright? Or do you hold out for another player, um, Slavkovsky? Uh, that's his name, Slavkovsky. What's his name? Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky, uh, Cooley, whoever. I'm curious to know your takes on that. Vito, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, it's going to be Shane Wright. I mean, they've been talking about this guy as being since the age of 14 as being the first overall pick. I know a lot of people are hard on him or saying, you know, he had a rough start. Or, uh, his season wasn't great. He wasn't the, the lead, he wasn't leading in points for his own his own team. But when you look at his actual um, season as it went, he had a slow start, but then he had 71 points in 41 games. You know, so if you look at that kind of player. I don't want to. I don't want to take the gamble in the sense that we go after somebody else. There is maybe one other player that I'm truly interested in, and that would probably be Cooley. Um, but I think Shane Wright's the player to go, and there's an, obviously a need there in Montreal to get that second line center, whether he starts as a two C or not. We need it. Yeah, every year there's a consensus number one, and then once the draft comes closer and closer, you kind of get this debate, you know, this like useless debate with Liney and Matthews that happened with Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan. I mean, it just seems to happen every year, and the number one consensus always goes number one. There's never, I don't think, ever been somebody a surprise number one overall draft pick. Switches between like two and three, two and three, but never number one, never number one. Shane Wright is a center. It's exactly what the Canadians uh, organization needs. Not that. should draft by by need but it just it fits it's perfect he's the best player available by by far i think and um i think they'd be foolish to not to not pick him first overall so uh you're gonna hear a lot of talk a lot of people are gonna be on social media a lot of people are gonna be uh talking about oh maybe they could pick somebody else maybe they could trade down whatever they're picking shane Wright at number one and that's that i mean i don't think there's any debate about it well there's a lot of people that have you know they prefer that to have draft sapkowski and they're I'm not saying what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that I would compare him to Kotkaniemi, but there's almost that vibe of a Kotkaniemi feel in the sense that he's had a very strong Olympics. They're not the same style of player, but his stock really rose up after the Olympics, and that's kind of what happened with Kotkaniemi too, right? So I kind of don't want to go that route in terms of a, you know that gamble. Plus, he is a left winger. While Montreal technically does need a big body left winger, they do need that. They kind of need a bit of everything, but I don't I don't want to take a chance. Over the years, Montreal's struggled to get centers. We have Suzuki, and now we're going to be drafting potentially the first-line uh, first center, so I want to keep it that way. No, this makes perfect sense. I'm in a complete agreement with you guys. I think there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, we have a special guest. <laughs> Ciao. 
<laughs> so it's um it's going to be Shane Wright in my opinion too. I think there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be Shane Wright. I think like it just the stars line in this case. He's the best player available at the first overall pick in addition to drafting for a positional need of the organization. Now the interesting question is let's say they do go for it and they do take him, right? Like let's say this is a foregone conclusion. What do they do with him next year? A lot of people suggesting he's got the talent right to the NHL. Other people are suggesting nope, keep him in juniors. Some are saying give him a couple games and then see where he falls. What do you think is going to happen with this kid? Do you think he cracks roster right off the bat, right out the gate, and he's there for the season? Or is it more advantageous for him to kind of continue to dominate at a lower level before he makes the jump, knowing that the Habs are likely not there with just him yet to move to take that next step? You know, is it best for him and the organization if he doesn't come? Curious. Vito, start us off, baby. Well, look. We're drafting him first overall, right? No, Nobody's saying that you can't send him back down to the OHL if you see that he's, he's struggling. Give him the first 10 games that to see how he's going. If he has a good camp and, you know, in those 10 games he's scoring goals, he's producing, or at the very least five pick that we had, and he had a very strong camp, and then later on in the season he struggled a little bit. So if you're willing to do that with KK, and technically Shane Wright's supposed to be the, a better player, then do the same thing with Shane Wright. Give him the 10 games, see how he does, and if it doesn't fit, then send him back to the OHL. There's, there's never, it's never a bad thing to send the guy back down to develop more and and dominate the, the league that he's playing in. But that's how I see it. But I, do I think he's going to play in the NHL? I do think he's going to play in the NHL next season. Maybe not as a two C, maybe even as a winger to learn the game a little bit. But what was the last time? What was the last? Oh, here, give me this. What was the last time a first overall pick didn't start in the NHL? Last year, Owen Power went back to college. He did. And then he showed up in the league. He showed up at the end. I mean, college is different than the OHL for sure. But I'm I'm with Vito here. I think that um, there's no such thing as overdevelopment, right? There, but there is such a thing as people who get rushed to the NHL, and that you've seen that time and time again. KK is a good example. Uh, you look at Luke Shen in Toronto. Uh, he's like one of the most famous ones, I think. Just completely rushed, have a stellar like first three years of your career, and then just nosedive afterwards. And I think that Shane Wright, the best thing to do with Shane Wright would be to, uh, you, you select him, you invite him to training camp, you give him those nine games, um, and then you send him back to junior, especially that he missed out on that year, right, uh, because of COVID. So you just, you got to, that, that would be the development way to go, I think. And then you invite him back, um, you know, maybe at the end of the year or maybe the next following year. But you don't want to rush a guy like that, and especially on a team that like the Canadians who aren't probably going to be world beaters next year and also are going to slot him, obviously, in that second line center. You just know that that's what's happening. Uh, you're, you're, you're gonna, he's probably going to start as a 2C, and then uh, if he struggles, they're going to just move that's the wrong. There. That's the wrong move. So uh, I wouldn't keep him uh, up, and I think that they're, they'll, they'll be cautious with him, and I think that he will be sent back to junior. Oh, you're, you really think he's going to go back to the juniors? He'll play nine games and get sent back. That's my prediction. Okay. It wouldn't be the worst thing ever, right? Like, especially, again, I come back to it, the next year's draft, supposedly supposed to be real deep, really, really great players. I don't predict the Habs are going to get the first overall pick next year. I can already guarantee you pretty much. I don't see that happening. But could they finish in a position of top t- of, of in the top 10? Absolutely. So if you allow your, your, star, your future stars to develop more and you don't run into that kind of KK problem or the Galchenyuk issues or things like that, maybe it's for the best. But that does bring up something interesting when we talk about the team, because now I'm curious to know, gentlemen, about Mr. Kent Hughes. So there was talk, I can't remember if it was him explicitly saying it or if people were just kind of 
taking what he said and going with it about them initially maybe making some big splashes in the offseason and free agency. As of late, he's tempered those expectations, and he kind of mentioned saying, no, it doesn't seem like he's going to go and try to make this like unbelievable acquisition, but he's looking for more like veteran presence to help the very young team that's there. So my question to you is this. Since we've kind of heard it both ways, is this like a ploy? And he's just trying to be a marketing guy, making sure that no matter what he does, tempered, uh, the expectations have been tempered. Or is he sending out a message to other GMs? Or not GMs, rather. It's free agency. But, but to players? Like, what do you think he's, he's doing by, by kind of changing this narrative a little bit on the fly? Um, so let, I think that, uh, honestly, the first time he said it, I, I forget what media appearance it was, but I think it was kind of lost in translation because I remember the question was a French question, I believe, and it kind of got lost in translation. I think he kind of said that we're trying to make cap room um, by dealing Petrie and dealing with some cap situations so that we could go after free agents. And then I think people kind of took that as like, oh, they're going to be in, they're going to be in, big in the pool of free agency. It never really made sense to me why the Canadians would be big on free agents this, this year, unless you're going to make a huge splash with like Gaudreau or something like that, or going after an RFA. To me, it, it's not the time to do it, right? You're in, you're kind of in that slow rebuild. It didn't really, really make sense to me in terms of, of a big free agent uh, splashes for, especially with a ton of young guys coming up in the coming coming years. So to me, I think he just clarified his point. The next time he got up in front of the media, he just said, look, I'm not going to be in. They're obviously going to sign free agents, right? That Every team does. They're going to figure it out. Maybe they'll have a bigger one, bigger one on defense, most likely to replace Petrie as a veteran. But other than that, I don't think he's playing any mind games. I don't think anything like that. Um I, I hope he certainly hope he's not tempering expectations because we had about a decade of someone tempering expectations. And that's I don't think that's the way I want to go for another uh, another the next decade. So uh, I think he's being more realistic when you think that's, that's right. it. That's, because that's what I agree with you. Say, yeah. Even if he wants to sign free agents, unless he clears a significant amount of cap, it's going to be really hard for him to do that. And yeah, well, he's even, moving Weber contract. That's a guarantee at this well, point, right? Well, even if he moves the Weber contract, they were so over the cap, and he's and it still counts, right? So it's it's it, you'd have to shed more than that. You'd almost have to replace player for player. So if you're going to move Petrie, yeah, the six point two five comes off the books. Yeah, that's but right. He's going to have to, and if he plans to say Latang, as that's the rumor, you have to hope that Latang only wants six point two five. And so that it fits. Well, so it's, it's no, but it's Petrie's contract gone. You got Weber off the books. You may, you might have Price going back on on the long term IR again. You got players yeah, like uh, you got players like Matthew Perot, who's likely not coming back. So whatever cap he was taking, these little incremental ones, right? You got well, I don't know about millions, but you do have at least three different players that are going to be off that might accumulate up to like two and a half. You know, it these little ads will add up in the long run. The only way this this could actually work is they move, like I said. You move Petrie, and you basically replace him with somebody else. You somehow manage to move Hoffman's contract, get some dollars off the books. You have to figure out what you're going to do with Armia and Byron because those are two guys that are taking up $3.4 million a piece to be on your third, third and fourth, fourth lines. Line. Or yep. in Byron's case, unfortunately, health is an issue, and he's basically $3.4 million to not even play. And what do you do with Drew? What happens with Drew? I mean, he's five he's, and a half million dollars. He's, he's going to be a, a player on the team. I he's can't see him moving. Left. He's got one year left after this season. I can't after see him moving. So, I mean, I'd be very surprised if he moves. I would move him. Yeah, I would move him, but I'd be surprised if they find somebody to take him. No, well, I mean, there's always teams that are interested. There's always going to be teams. I mean, I hate to go back to this because Davis said it so many times. NHL GMs are some of the dumbest GMs, is what Davis preached often, right? So they're always going to take a gamble on somebody like Julian, who's a thir former third overall pick, 
who is still in his prime years when it comes to forwards and whatnot. And maybe he's just a guy that needs a different, you know, change of scenery. He's so, al- he's also a guy who's getting five and a half million dollars and has two bionic uh, wrists now. But he's okay. You know so what I mean? One year left, so teams are going to take a gamble on someone like that. Then what? I I think the play would be to 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 keep him on the, on the team and then build him up to the trade deadline. I think that would be the play, well, as opposed to the offseason. Well, mind, he's, he's pretty much even. well, it depends. It depends on how. And it depends on how the season plays out, right? If those risks are finished, I mean, nobody's going to take him, right? No one's oh. going to take a risk of him at that point. I mean, and and and, and also, I got Gallagher with two busted hands. <laughs> and, and look, is he going to hit that thirty again? Ever? Maybe. Never. Oh boy. Absolutely. We're going back. Let's, let's get you. Two. Let's get. Let's get you on record, Vito. Once again, you guys got me on record already. All right, all right. I want to talk about another thing that's very topical: the playoffs. Um, obviously, a lot of people um, must be very, very—I um, don't know what the word is. I guess bewildered by certain exits that have happened in the first round. I know the three of us took Minnesota, and we all look like fools. Um, that was kind of a bit surprising. But I think uh, some of the more um, interesting talks is going to be about obviously Toronto. Uh, Toronto last night had another first round exit. Um, you can argue that they might have played better. They might have deserved it. There's moral victories here to be had, certainly. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to the fact that that team can't get out of the first round. Tampa moves on. Tampa is not the world beater juggernauts that they appeared the last two years. I think they're going to have an exit in the second round to Florida. That's my prediction. Um, but my question is, what was the biggest shock to you guys, aside from Minnesota, clearly, because we all had many? Who was the biggest shock, truly? And uh, and what is a matchup you're looking forward to in the second round? I know there's two Game 7s tonight, but if you want to go ahead and assume a winner for that one and say who it's going to be, I'd like to hear what you're looking forward to the most in the second. Honestly, um, the surprise for me is I really thought Calgary was going to dominate Dallas a little more than... <laughs> Than expected. Uh, Dallas is giving them a run for their money, and at this point, you got to think it's anybody's game. At that, at, the, at this point, any one of them could win. But I really didn't think Dallas was going to give Calgary such a hard time. Uh, there's a couple of players on Calgary's roster that's playing very cold right now, or they're struggling to fully being one of them. Um, I guess when it comes to Toronto, I, I'm guys. I don't like the Leafs. You know this. I've advocated. No this. kidding. I'm not a Leafs fan. Really. But give credit where credit is due. They played a lot better than they did last season or last playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens. They showed a lot more character. This one is a tough, tough loss for them. Yes, it was against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are back-to-back Stanley Cup champs, but they're not the same Tampa Bay Lightning, as you said. And they brought them to Game 7, and it was a 2-1 loss. That's a tough loss for the Leafs. And you've got to kind of feel bad for the fan base to a certain degree. But with that being said... They're, they're missing certain certain pieces on that roster. There's not enough sandpaper on that roster, in my opinion. That bottom six needs some work. They need some guys that are willing to sacrifice the body and block shots. I mean, at last game, uh, by the end of the second period, I think it was like 28 block shots for Tampa Bay and only 12 for, for Toronto. Yeah. So it's there. there's something missing that you got to think that change is coming now for the Toronto Maple Leafs because you're, they're wasting those years for... Uh, Austin Matthews and Marner and Tavares and so on, and they're just not getting past that first round. What are you looking for in the second round? What do you mean? Like, what what matchup are you looking for the most in the second round? That that is the most exciting. Battle of Florida, man. How is that exciting? I don't know. I mean, like 
you're that invested in Florida. Well, you are invested in Florida. Hey, well, yeah. okay, listen. <laughs> when was the last time? When was the last time you saw the Florida Panthers arena sold out? Okay, that's exciting. But I mean, like, does it matter who their opponent is? Really? Like, I don't know. I, I, Florida Tampa does nothing well, for me. Well, it's because Florida Tampa doesn't do anything. But at the same time, I almost feel like Tampa is going to lose, and I don't like Tampa either. All right. Okay. Fine. So uh, you know right. what I mean. So I get it. I'm just looking for the Tampa loss, but at the same time, you gotta kind of feel good for Florida. It's, it's since who was it, '96, that they hadn't gotten to the playoffs or gotten had that kind of success. They're right. there, man. It's a good story. It's a feel-good story for a team that was basically everyone was saying relocate them. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. All right. So look, Toronto. Um, the, the issue with Toronto, I think, is that is the coaching, right? I mean, like you, you mentioned the block shots. Um, they collapsed early, Tampa. Right, right off the bat. They, they collapsed. It was going to be a game seven type of game where everything's going to be blocked, and Toronto didn't adjust whatsoever. The whole game, it was just shot after shot, trying to pinpoint that that top corner or the bottom corner, and everything was blocked. And and at one point, that coaching staff has to you know grab the iPads and be like, guys, you got to find a better way to get to the net. You guys got to find a better way to get the puck to the net. So many times they're on a power play where there's a ton of traffic in front of the net, and you have William Nylander circling. The, the, the offensive zone. They're, they're just a skillful you have team. You have Morgan Riley having a wide open spot with about three players in the slot, and he doesn't take it. He moves it, tries to move it to, 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 to Matthews on a finesse pass. At one point, it's up to the coach. And again, <laughs> Sheldon Keefe got outcoached by Dominic Ducharme last year. Like, let that sink in, okay? The, they, they started the series strong, and then the Canadians made adjustments, and the Leafs made zero adjustments. And again this year, I find it's the exact same situation. Zero adjustment. The Tampa Bay. And we'll, we'll Tampa agree Bay's that John game. Cooper is a much better coach than Dominic Ducharme and Sheldon. Exactly. So, to me, I don't think they're going to get rid of Dubas. I think he has one year left in him, unless Barry Trotz wants to go into a GM role and you, you get you get the interest uh, there. Um, I think the. I don't even see them doing making that move, think, anyways. They make a coaching change. I don't think so, but I think they should. But I don't think they will. I think that they're going to stick with what it is. I'm, it's always telling. Changes, it's sure. always telling for me is you you go and you look immediately after a loss. You go look at the people closest to the team. So Darren Drager, very close to the Toronto Maple Leafs. You go look at other uh, other media members, and all of them are are, you know, towing the company line of this was a great effort. No shame in losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't expect big changes. Where do you think they're getting that message from? They're getting that message because that's what's yeah. But gonna then happen. think about it this way, right? If they go another year and it's another first round exit next year, you clean house. Sh- yeah, even Shani's, even Shani's gone. Everybody. Even Shani's gone. Yeah, Th- this is. I know a lot of people are trying to frame this as, oh, there's no shame in this. But I tweeted this yesterday. It, there's absolutely shame in it, man. You, the threshold for the Toronto Maple Leafs is to get out of the first round, and they still can't do it. That is insane. They're, they're, you could say, oh, it was a Stanley Cup. Next year, the way that this playoff format is, it is extremely likely that they face the, Toronto, the Tampa Bay Lightning again next year. So what, next year again? Oh, they lost in seven, but it's, look, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then the year after that, the same thing over and over again. At what point does it become not okay to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning? At what point is the NHL about winning and about moving forward and not about moral victories? The Leafs have had... Ten years of moral victories. Oh, look, look! They didn't. They didn't blow a three-one lead this year. Oh, look! They didn't do. It's. It's constantly that. They. They need to make change. What I'm looking Some for. Some would call that progress, Dave. <laughs> blow a three-one lead. Some would call that progress. Yeah, Dave. not enough progress. Oh, Moving on to the next round. Looking ahead, I really hope Calgary wins uh, because the Battle of Alberta really interests me. And even Edmonton Dallas would interest me because they've had some good battles when I was a kid with like Marty Turco and George Larac and stuff like that. That really excites me. 
Um, I like, uh, but I like Calgary. I, I, I want to see them go forward. So that to me would be uh, the matchup: Colorado, St. Louis. I don't George Larac. Uh, that's the, that's the name that came to mind in that series. I, I'll always remember that series, okay? Because Marty Turco went out to play the puck, and George Larac came barreling down on him, and Turco got so scared he let the puck go, and they ended up scoring, and, and a huge game, a series shifting. Uh, George, do you hear that? Dave <laughs> wants you on the podcast. Come be a special guest. That's Dave, right, George. George. What's next? What's next? Well, I guess uh, final question for you boys is um, there's so many different storylines going on in the in the playoffs right now. I mean, you got the Crosby injury and how that's affecting that series. Um, you got obviously the underperforming uh, Flames and, and their stars and everything that's going on there. There's goaltending that was happening uh, just in the Edmonton series alone where Mike Smith was abysmal at home and Jonathan Quick on the road was phenomenal and then they ended up coming out and winning. So my question is, out of all the storylines, let's not talk about Leafs and like the storyline. Would they get out of the first round? That's passe at this point. What's the storyline either that has happened and is now finalized or is still ongoing that you have the most interest in continuing in the playoffs? I would have to say the story I'm interested in right now at the moment. I'm going to take a guess. Go for it. Does it involve a certain Sidney Crosby? Yes, it does. Okay. You uh, guessed it right. Guys, I'm predictable that way. I want to know if Sidney Crosby shows up for Game 7. That's fair. I truly, yeah, that's I huge. do believe that if Sidney Crosby was there for Game 6, it would have been a different result. And it's not because I'm I agree. a Crosby I fan. Agree. Crosby looked five years younger. The way he's incredible. He's the guy, the guy is he's, he's amazing, period. Still at the age of 35, he's only still able to play the way he's playing. But It, it just goes to show his work ethic. So for me, the storyline is, is going to be the current storyline that I'm focused on. Because I'm not ready to start talking about or thinking about the second round and what storylines we're going to look at that because there's still a lot of games and a lot of hockey to play out before we know what's really happening in the second round. But with that being said, it's the Sidney Crosby and does Pittsburgh take it in game seven and put the Rangers out of their misery? Because honestly, I don't feel like the Rangers should go to the second round. Right. Well, look, it's going to be interesting. Not only does he come back, but how does he look, right? Because he has that, that concussion history. It's it's scary, right? Like, you don't know what it could be due to a player, right? And and so, to me, that that's a very good storyline. I'll remind you about a certain time he came back while still having a concussion. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying... five points against the New York Islanders. Albeit, it's the New York Islanders. I didn't say I was worried. I'm just saying that that's a storyline to look forward to, yeah. you know? I mean, it's kind of a built-in excuse when you have a concussion. Like, you're, uh, I don't know how many of concussion and you're Did coming you back to them. I don't think so. I don't think so, unfortunately. There wasn't, I, like, an, I, there wasn't a bit of a chicken wing on that? I don't think so. I don't think so. The positioning, I mean, it, it was a very fast play. I don't I don't, I don't. don't see it as a dirty hit. And, I, I, and I'm a guy who, you know, like, that Steckel uh, uh, hit, that was dirty. You know, that's, uh, that's I, I'm able to say when a play is dirty, I don't think Jacob Trua meant to hit him in the head. Let, I don't think let so. Me, let me ask you, okay? Because I, I, that hit. It was Truba who laid it out, right? Mm -hmm. A few years back, did you think Truba would develop into the type of defenseman that he is now? Because he's, he's made some questionable hits in the last two seasons that have taken out players. I never saw Truba being that kind of a he's player. He's a really big guy. He's, he's a really yeah. Big guy. yeah, so so that's always something you got to... Sorry, that's always something you got to factor in with the big players, right? When they go and give you a hit, it's not their fault that they're that much bigger than you. So when they drop the shoulder, when where an average player might hit you in the chest, they might be like more upper chest maybe almost like lower throat area and it's it's the it's the nature of the beast yeah, it's was the maybe, intent there maybe, you know sometimes you see a guy go for the head it, it's intent the arm goes up well, i didn't but that's see the that thing. maybe i'm a little biased because i'm yeah, well you think fan. yeah yeah I'm you think Crosby, but when you actually look at the hit there's a different angle that was presented and you kind of see 
the elbow going up. Now, was it the follow through of the hit? Well, Very that's possible. what I think. It's the follow through. I mean, but at the same time, it wasn't. I kind of see both angles that if they would have called, you know, if the player safety committee would have gotten involved, they'd be like, oh, because it's Sidney Crosby, this is what's happening. And if they don't get involved, then you're going to have people like myself that are saying, maybe it should have been looked at, even at a fine or something. I don't know. But nah, at the I, end th of the day, I think it was okay. Hockey's a tough ass sport. Yeah. We know this, and things like this can happen. It's just sad and it's unfortunate that it happened to someone like Sidney Crosby, who was on a tear and was, yeah. was playing fantastic in the playoffs. And the NHL and hockey today still needs Sidney Crosby. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's that's where my next storyline is going is Connor McDavid, man, if he could pull it off, right? Because there has never been uh, – I saw someone tweet this today, so I'm going to steal it. Uh, there's never been a generational talent that hasn't won a Stanley Cup, right? A every time. Every everybody has their cup. And McDavid seems to be the furthest away from it. Well, unless you count like Austin Matthews, I guess. But you know what I mean? Like, like who has faith in in – in Mike Smith, like uh, it's sad to say, then he pitches a shutout in in games in Game Seven. So it's kind of a, a weird situation. But for me, Connor McDavid, I mean, he willed that win yesterday on his back, pretty much. Oh, by man, that second himself. goal, the hustle on that second goal, jo holy! Jonathan, Jonathan Quick played outstanding. I didn't think Jonathan Quick had anything left in him, to be honest. And and I still picked LA to beat Edmonton because of I didn't think Mike Smith had well, anything. I, that was literally the reason. One of the reasons I put up when we were making our predictions was that LA yeah. would win because who's one who's the better goalie? Jonathan yeah, Quick for sure. Smith. And, I mean, and if we're talking about Mike Smith in his prime, it would be a different question. John, quick in that first period yesterday made some amazing saves, man. He he kind of, I, I thought, oh, man, this is not looking good for Edmonton, but they pulled it off finally. So to me, Connor McDavid, that's the storyline I want to see uh, going forward. I guess Colorado, too. Like, what, uh, you know, can they actually get it done? Are they too well rested now? No, I don't believe I don't in that. Believe that I don't believe in that at all. Do you think, okay, I know we made our Stanley Cup predictions in a, pre a previous episode, but do you think Colorado's the team to beat? Now it's going to be hard to argue against that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, unless unless you want to give respect to Tampa. Look, Vasilevsky looked phenomenal in the past two games. So now maybe Vasilevsky is heating up. But yeah, but that's what I mean. The last two games, though, the last two games he stepped up, and now uh, the the only issue now for Tampa is brain point, right? Like how injury. They said it's a leg injury. It looked gr it looked groin. No, it looked like a squad. He was holding, he was holding it at the top yeah. of his leg. Yeah, it definitely looked bad. He tried to come back, didn't really. Oh, I, I think I think he might be out. If he's well, playing, that's what I'm if saying. He's playing, then, it's gonna be minimal. And that's minutes. huge. If Brain points out, I mean, that's huge for their depth, right? So that's uh, that's another storyline for you guys. Before, before. Um, okay. Okay, it's a Habs related question. If there's one player, if, if there's only one move and one player that Hughes is able to make to get this player out of off the team, off the team, off the team, okay. gone. It's the only trade he can make. It's the only player that ever that any team is desiring to, to trade for. Just one. Each of you are allowed, and myself, are allowed to make one move. Dave, who is it? Oh man, that's a tough question. It's gonna have. It's gonna have to be Brendan Gallagher. I'm gonna have to get him off that that that. Oh, you're gonna get a lot salary. of people dislike. I don't care. Now. I don't care. I, you need to get him off. You need to get a motion out of here. You need to get a, You need to get him off the team. If you're gonna have a, a you know a healthy salary cap in the next few years. I think Brennan Gallagher is about to drop off a cliff. And, and I might be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I'm, I'm worried about him. So it would be Brennan Gallagher for me. I, I debated between him and Price, but I think that... It, it, I think there's more of an immediate replacement for Brennan Gallagher as a winger, not so much the heart and the, the engine of, of a line, than there is for somebody like Carey. Well, that's what I mean. That's, what, that's why I went with Brendan. I mean, first off, how dare you? <laughs> how how dare you? That is future Montreal Canadian captain Brendan Gallagher. I agree. 
So, all right, magic question. See, I have a I have a more realistic answer, and then I have the 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 magic answer, right? So the realistic one is because it's it's happening. I believe is Jeff Petrie is going to move, right? That's the contract that that they have to unload, right? He he wants gone. They want to end amicably. Yes, he left that little thing at the end there, whatever. But that's a lot of money to get off the cap, and you need every dollar of it. Um, that's that's the guy. Now, flip it around, and obviously, if Price is done, and it's it's he's no longer going to be the guy. Yeah, that's the contract you want to move to. And then, of course, you can talk Gallagher and stuff. But I don't see Gallagher moving. I don't think they're going to want him out of that room. He won't produce like he was ever going like he ever used to. But I don't think you want him gone from the team. So realistically, there's there's Mike Hoffman as well as somebody who you might want to consider. But are you gonna name the whole roster? And leave no, no. Well, well, half the roster. If they moved, I wouldn't really care. But but yes, this is a magic question. Your your pick is gonna be Jeff Petrie, who's obviously gonna be moved. Like this is your one shot. He's giving you one shot. Yeah, I told you one name. That was my question. One opportunity one to seize everything you ever wanted. Players. Cover yourself, and I'm the one that's screwed. It's now. it's still it's still Jeff Petrie. It's still Jeff Petrie. I mean, because I as as magic as the question might be, it's I'm living in the real world, boys, and in the real world, this is something that is very likely to happen. And I think if he can make it happen and make the trade return, that's that's the only question: is he gonna just do it to get him off the team and take like a passable return, or does he actually get something back? And so, if he could get something back, then that's the move I want him to make. So. For me, I would say you have it has to be one of Hoffman or Drouin, but the move I'd probably move on from it'd probably be Hoffman more than Drouin. I'm gonna and the reason why is because Hoffman there's still four there's still three years at four and a half million and he's 32 years old, right? Now he's still he still put up some decent numbers, but he didn't put up the numbers that we expect him to put. He wasn't on a on a necessarily a 30 goal pace or anything like that, but he's a goal scorer, so he did that fine. But man, there's so many times during the season, during certain games where he just had these brain cramps that were so brutal to even watch. And just defensively, he was just it was just so poor. I know he's not known for his defensive game, but I think he's the four and a half million dollars. He's the player that's getting paid four and a half million on the cap that I'd be willing to move and move away from. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Julian also too, because I, I mean that experiment's over. We we can move on from that. It's just I, I, I disagree. Disagree. I disagree. He has not had his shot under Martin St. Louis yet. He hasn't had his shot. That's fair. I think but he's at I his mean, all-time low coaches, in stock. How many coaches is he going to have to go to to say he didn't have his first shot with this coach? He didn't have his first shot well, with that coach. Well, bo- bottom line, he, he's been hurt a lot the past couple of years. He's got his surgery. He had a ton of time to recover this time around. He's under Martin St. Louis this time around as well. I think you're in a much better position to actually have him play the season and see what's up. I don't see... He's at an all-time low in stock. Why would you try to move him? You're going to get nothing I, I for agree, it. I agree, but I also agree with Dave's point earlier on when he said, if you're going to move Joy, then raise his stock and do it at the trade deadline. And at the same time, with one year left as a rental, we've seen a lot of worse rentals get moved for a, quite a bit. So, I mean, I agree with that. But at some point, you're going to look and say, okay, Joy is probably going to be the one that's going to go and he's going to move on from this team too. And he, maybe he would benefit from moving on. But I'm going to go back. It's, it's Hoffman. For me, it's Hoffman. You got you got to get that contract out. 32 years old. You talk about Gallagher's going to fall off a cliff. I mean, how much longer is Hoffman going to go with that style of player that he is? No, listen, you never know. Maybe he has a turnaround season. Maybe they all have a turnaround season next year. The bar is so low, it's possible. It's possible. Maybe they go back to the drawing board and actually figure out what to do with the power play. 
and then all of a sudden he starts to put up 30 goals again because he's a power play well, specialist. Well, if you're going to figure out what you're going to do on the power play, you're you're going to have to move on from Alex Burroughs because he's just not it. Yeah. I don't, I, listen, there's a bunch of, like, on that, we can talk about that next time, about what they're going to do and who should take over what. But for today, for this episode, this unique and special episode, on location at Cafe Victoria's, so good to see you guys in person. We should do this more often. But I think now we're at the point, we're just about lunchtime. I think we're going to be ordering up some food. I'm not sure if you guys picked out what you're going to get. I'm on the fence too. There's a couple of good sandwiches I got my eyes on. You? What are you going to have? I'm going to take everything. Everything. I came here hungry and I'm ready to eat. I'm going to take everything. There you go. I'm gonna, I came here fat. I'm going to leave here fat. You put on a little bit of weight. A little bit. COVID. Uh, COVID. We'll Sanit and we'll, sanitary we'll, lifestyle. We'll, we'll talk about that another time. I, have, I <laughs> had to eat my emotions this year with this half season. Uh, that and I'm sure many people like the same. But... For everybody else, thank you so much for listening. If you have the opportunity, please try uh, and swing by Cafe Victoria's. Give them a checkout. Go check them out online, cafevictorias.com. .ca. I always mess that up. Uh, for Dave and Vito, I'm Matt in person, and this was Get Pucked.